Hello and welcome to another episode of the American Revolution. I am your host, Jamal, and today with me, I have all of my co-hosts who are my regulars. Love you guys. This is awesome. I have Mike, Brian, David, and Nick. Hope you guys are doing well. Let's just jump right into it today. I, I think we have a lot to talk about. So, I was on social media a few days ago. And someone was posting about their distaste about a specific subject. And I asked them, um, I told them, I didn't, I didn't research the specific topic you're talking about. But I asked, is it such a horrible thing? Is it, is it a bad thing? That whatever. And this person like went off the rails, pissed off. How could you even ask me that? Blah, 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 blah. It was about someone's physical attraction. Um, so it made me think like if, how can we go about opening conversation if everyone's on the defensive? I feel like we spend so much time, um, engaging those particular nuances that the meat of the, of the conversations that need to be had can't be had. I just feel like there's such an attention paid, uh, placed on folks that, you know what I'm saying? It's hard to have these conversations without coming off as punitive or accusatory because, like, you know, the reality of it is, you know, there are things that people are and aren't doing that contribute to the way things are. And to have those particular conversations, it's not because I want you to feel like you're a piece of shit. It's not because I feel like you're, I want you to feel like I'm attacking your person, but because I'm literally noting, like, like noting exactly what needs to be changed, how we need to go about changing it. And, you know what I'm saying, there's no real way to go about discussing those particular things without like, you know what I'm saying, discussing the ways how you're complicit. Now, if it makes you feel better, I'll jump in and talk about the ways that, you know what I'm saying, we could be complicit or we are complicit in our own particular, um, you know what I'm saying, situations. But like, I don't, I'm not, those conversations only come about when people tend to kind of like, you know, deflect um, because of like, you know, being so, you know, wrapped up in their ego and wrapped up in like defending what they think their ideas are and feeling like their their way of life or, or the way that they think of things getting attacked. It's like, it's all crucial and stuff like that. Just think about the, I just think about like how much it took me to kind of come to the reality that, you know, there is prejudice in the world. There is issues in the world that I need to address and me not doing anything about it makes me like, you know, saying a part of the problem. And, you know, somebody who I respect, you, Jamal, who has, who has kids and, and, you know what I'm saying, is trying to do right by his family. Um, I often think of times when, like, you know, your kids are older or I, I end up having kids someday and my kids are older. And, you know, they're talking about 2020 and 2019 and 2018 and 2017 and all this shit. And like, yo, when the shit started hitting the fan, what were you doing, dad? Like, I want to be able to tell them that I was actively engaging in doing these type of discussions. And I don't care how people felt. I don't care how I made people felt. Like, I was actively trying to, like, look out for your particular safety and make sure you had a future that was worth, like, you know what I'm saying? A damn. That sounds just like me when I went to the marches and stuff. And was like, I just can't see my future kids being like, oh, you know, <laughs> Dad, what you did? Well, I chilled and let everything happen. And, you know, COVID was great and fantastic. Right. Like, so, so you know, but um, in terms of um, open conversations, the problem with open conversations is first people got to be open to receive that kind of a conversation. A lot of us, a lot of people in total just have so much solid one mind frame. 
So the one mind frame takes over, especially the way you grew up, the way your environment is, the way that you're actually, when you're even speaking to people, um, what you were taught, who taught you, where were you taught at? How were you taught? What book did you read? Did you even read a book on the topic before you had an opinion on it? There's so many ways that open conversations don't happen because of just the ignorance from the person from the get-go. Look at all these people that um, are automatically ignorant um, based on the fact that they grew up in a household that thinks Trump is great and automatically is on it before even, um, what's it called? Um, looking at any other possibilities. Like there's no possibilities to them. Their possibilities is Trump is right. This is great. Everything he says is right, no matter what. There's fact checks, different things that tell you what's wrong, <laughs> different things that tell you the lies. And they literally go, oh, still right. I love this dude, Trump. He's the greatest. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And then you, to the obvious people, it doesn't make sense. But there's so much ignorance that you can't have a conversation about it. Because even when you bring it up to them, they're like, no, but you're wrong. Because Trump said it was this, like. It's the testing. The testing is supposed to make COVID so hard and so good. And, you know, it, that's why it's everywhere. But, you know, open conversations. How about you, Brian? Um, I feel like, uh, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with both of the, what they just said. It's um, People don't really like to have open conversations because, well, there's two types of people. There's ones that don't like to have open conversations about the hard topics because they don't want to get into an argument and then there's other people that want to have those conversations because they thrive off getting into that argument or telling someone you know they're wrong especially when it comes to politics and the people who um, will defend their party to the grave whether that party is right or not whether that person running for that party is right or not they don't they don't necessarily care. It's they, they automatically feel that they need to be on the defensive because that's what they like and that's what they represent. Um, so I feel like that's a hard thing to, uh, to solve. I just think that's a, always going to be a problem. I mean, everyone's always on the defensive about everything. I mean, no matter what people talk about, instead of everyone being like, all right, you know, let's hear each other out and let's try to understand what each other is thinking in their head. It's like, no, I think this way, so your way is wrong. Um, so, I mean, I think we all do a good job of that and talking and understanding everyone else's point of view, whether we agree with it or not. But uh, most of the people in the world, especially people that don't know each other or work together and don't necessarily like each other, um, they're definitely on the defense a lot which is why we have a lot of arguments and issues and defriending and fights and all that type of things in the world so um definitely a hard thing to do but uh i don't don't really know how to fix it so since uh we've been having all the you know covid and the black black lives matter marches and protests and all of this, have you guys noticed a change in people? Or do you know if people are more willing to have these conversations or less willing to have, you know, the serious conversations? I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, it's not about that they're more willing. It's just that so much facts are coming out that it's hard not to listen a little bit at least. But you also got to understand the facts were there before, but they never was on 
so much of a broad spectrum of facts being thrown at you at the same exact time. So it's kind of hard if you, if it actually makes you ignorant once you even see all those facts and go, oh, uh, you're wrong still. Because it's like, but wait, but there's like 20 facts that say I'm right. So how do you prove against that? So then you go and you like, okay, I'll listen at least. You know, because that's just the smart thing to say. But are they really listening? No, because really ignorance and racism so deep-rooted, it's very hard to take it away from them. In fact, they already think that they're a better species than us, half of the, you know, unfortunately, half of that kind of population, you know? So how could you really tell someone that you're not better and them take it as, oh, right, I'm not better? You get what I mean? Yeah. There, what I'm noticing now is we have such, like, a, like, like, whatever people are willing to admit or not admit that there is a power dynamic that um, is felt by uh, the, um, I'm saying I'll, 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 the, the, the Trump supporting conservative community. I'm trying to carefully choose my words. So I want to like generalize or, or, or be disrespectful in you know, certain ways. But um, when we address and we think of that particular uh, group of people, we think about how far back they've gone, you know, way back into even the Obama administration with how like, they treated things. And reality of it is, um, they look at that particular administration as a sign of, you know, things to come. They look at that particular administration as a sign of, like, you know, a loss of power. And this is why we have such a volatile reaction uh, that we're seeing in, like, real time playing out. We're seeing, um, you know, folks who honestly felt like for a good eight years, ten years, that they had little to no power. The power that they once had was diminishing uh, simply by, you know what I'm saying, creating more opportunities for equality and equity uh, between the peoples. And uh, that was such a death, like, you know what I'm saying, such a, like, a, like a terrible thing for some of these folks who do, in fact, believe that they do have the superiority, as David mentioned. Um, that uh, we have uh, folks voting for somebody like Trump and then Trump validating and enabling those thoughts on such a grand scale. Now they feel like, you know, hey, like we finally have a platform where we can be honest and say these thoughts or harbor these ideas and not uh, feel stupid or not feel crazy or not feel like we're, we're the bad guys. Because I don't want to feel like the bad guy simply because I don't believe you know I'm saying what X, Y, and Z or think that X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I, it's it's all fucked up. I mean, it's all still like, you know, at its root, stupid. And we know that racism is all, you know, all but a monumental fraud. Um, <clears throat> so here we are in this particular situation uh, seeing uh, these folks who feel like a fleeing of power, a loss of power slowly playing out and so now they're coming out double time they're coming out with extra effort now pick like you know what i'm saying with just as much vitriol as the people who are out here protesting against them they're coming out just in full force still supporting the same ideals and stuff like that because they are no longer interested in relinquishing a power that they felt like they lost when obama was uh in, uh, in, the, in the office and uh beyond that you know that's why they can excuse so much of like the fuckery. It's like they know the facts are there. They know the facts are probably true, but they're more uh, infatuated. They're more. They're more behind 
everything that Trump does to us um, than they are um, upset about the losses that they are they're accruing uh, under his administration. I'm the bad guy. What do you mean, yeah, David? I... Elaborate. <laughs> uh, meaning, meaning, I do, I do make a point and not care what the other person thinks about it. Word. So I can't um, be like, oh, kumbaya after. So, for example, like I, like I was talking about early on an earlier podcast about a cousin of mine who, you know. I puts up these posts that are very um, against what the situation Black Lives Matter stands for and what it's about. And, you know, because she's married to a cop and she's married and she's also in a world that's outside of that. So she's Hispanic, but her world is mostly still like in the, ooh, like life is great. What are you talking about? We're all good. Like, you know, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as racism. Racism gone in her world. But now I got to look at it from a different perspective being around her that, you know, I have a girlfriend that's from the Caribbean. I have I have maybe future kids that's going to be half black and half, half Hispanic. And what world am I going to go and bring her, bring, be comfortable bringing around those people around that cousin or that family member? And then if I'm going to have that convo with her, that convo with her is not going to go well. And then I'm going to have to make a decision to be the bad guy, to be like, no, I can't fuck with you. Because this is more important to me than just the family part of it or the aspect of it. Like, you know, but, you know, we're all open conversation people here. But that doesn't mean it's happening everywhere outside. Unfortunately. Right. Right. But I mean, in your situation, even with your uh, cousin who is, you know, pro police and pro, I guess, um everything else that's not Black Lives Matter, you don't think just, uh, she would be willing to just have an open dialogue? Well, the problem is that she's so deep-rooted in what she's in. The open dialogue actually makes she'll go and try to find something that's against what you show her. So, for example, me and my cousin oh, my was sex. talking with her. Right. So me and my cousin was talking with her about the Breonna Taylor situation. And she literally tried, brought up something talking about, oh, but her man was a drug dealer, so that's what he gets. Like, how does that make sense in any way, shape, or form, or even have to do with the fact of what happened to her? Like, but that's the kind of stuff that she'll bring up instead of talking about the issue at hand, which is a woman got killed in her own house for no reason, like, by cops. Yeah, that's, that sounds a little off. Uh, sounds like saying, well, my police officer, uh, my partner was an asshole and did something fucked up so i deserve to get fucked up <laughs> it's like it's like it's like you it's like me being at work as assistant manager my other manager goes and beats the shit out of somebody and i go to jail like, yeah, <laughs> like how does that make sense like it doesn't it doesn't even add up to the whole situation no uh, he beat him up not me i wasn't even there like i was off that day like, what pisses me <laughs> off mostly about the brianna taylor situation though is not even just the fact that you know what i'm saying um she doesn't have any justice and these motherfuckers are on vacation chilling right now mm-hmm. my my initial beef uh lies with the fact that that was the procedure. 
even if they got the right house, that was going to be the plan. That's true. It's fucked up. Why did they? What the? And so this is my point. I did, you know, I, you know, I, I, I know people that served in law enforcement during the Boston uh, bombing situation. I was, you know, what I'm saying, I happened to be talking with a cop, and like, like my friends were friends with a cop that was over here and kind of like, you know, just having kind of discussions like about like not, not, not revealing anything, mind you, but just letting us know, like, you know, how the cops are handling it and just kind of giving us the reassurance that, you know, we, I, I, I actually felt honored to pay taxes for Like this guy was doing his job. He was making me feel like I was feeling protected and served. And like, it was about like us reuniting against this terrorist. And it was a really nice moment. I wanted to bring that up to make a point. I don't think that guy's a piece of shit at all. I think that guy's a good dude. Um, and my point is, though, I don't feel like, you know, this is me, and I can only speak for myself. And again, like, I'm, my, my views aren't exactly, I'm not, I don't know if I'm right. I don't want to act like I'm right. But for me, I feel like the cops represent, you know what I'm saying, enforcement of a racist system. And so that's why there are protesters that are out. I think I did speak on this a little bit uh, on, a, on, a, on a previous podcast that are saying there are no good cops in a racist system. And I believe that, you know what I'm saying, when the system enforces the racism that we see and is literally going hand in hand with, you know what I'm saying, the prison industrial complex, which makes like the maximum amount of money off of human labor for virtually free, um, you know what I'm saying, I have to say, like, you know, I have to stand up you know, and speak out against what I'm literally seeing. It's either death or slavery, but there's really little to no options. So when people say things like defund the police and police reform, it's very, it's as hollow to me as seeing Black Lives Matter painted in the streets because the system isn't broken. It's just that they, they're getting sloppy in how they're executing what they're supposed to be doing. But in a perfect world, they could get away with killing us by making it look like they were defending themselves. And they just, you know what I'm saying, to me, are getting opportunities to make it, to, 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 to get better at that. And from what I've seen as a protester, having seen cops literally provoke situations to um, encourage like a negative response so they have the reason to uh, use those batons and riot gear that they have. I gotta, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's uh, there are good people, but you can't be a, like like you can't be a good cop because being a cop itself is fucked up. And oh my just, god, you're my friend. Like I've been saying this in every podcast I've been on. There's no such thing as a good cop. All there is is good people that are are cops. But once you put on the cop uniform, it automatically takes you away from being that good person. I've said you have this to so many to the times, system. like. I oh my god, thank you, friend. I don't know you, but <laughs> God bless, man. I, I feel you, bro. Like it's it's like we want we this is what I'm talking about when we do a lot and go out of our way to add these niceties to a society that actually ha- isn't that nice. And you know, we don't address things and we either let them be refashioned, repurposed, or talked over to the point where the, the history is distorted and we no longer uh, understand, you know what I'm saying, the original premise about what we're arguing or what we're fighting for. No, man, we know where the cops came from. We know why police are even part of this country. Um, I'm not saying that the sole reason was for to, to capture slaves, but we know that, you know what I'm saying, there were sheriffs down south deputizing white people, white men, to go after runaway slaves. So, and you know what I'm saying, most police practices and procedures, especially in the south, 
have been built on those premises. So it's still like, you know what I'm saying, about dehumanizing criminals when um, they break the law. And, you know what I'm saying, it's still about, like, you know what I'm saying, not preserving life. It's about me going home. It's about the minimum amount of uh, uh, training that I can get about criminal law and psychology before you give me a gun and let me hit the streets. And then, you know what I'm saying? Listen, and we're the only country that still does those type of things. Because you got to understand, every other country, they do two years of training with education included just to even get the gun. just to even, And then they have to do training with the gun for six months to a year. We're the only dumbass country that does six months only, and then you're good to go. Enjoy. Like, go crazy. Go off. And, we, and, our, like, and our psych test is so stupid compared to them. They get psych tests every single year, every single time. They even use the gun. They go do another psych test. Like it's like mad different rules that we do not have here, and we're the only big country, developed country that doesn't have these rules set in place. And then you wonder, what is it going to take for this to happen? It's going to be a revolution, but what kind of revolution is it going to be? Because the peaceful one hasn't been working. And then you wonder if it goes violent, what? How's it going to end? Like, it's going to end pretty bad for us because we still are the minority. And that's the problem. Like, we could go the way of the Indian at any moment. And that's, like, the most negative thought process I have. But, like, it's a reality. And, you know what I'm saying? It, it, people take for granted the fact that we, as black people and Spanish folks, we see. And listen, yo, there's some white folks out there who Black Lives Matter has marched for that have been killed on some stupid shit. And, you know what I'm saying? I don't, you know, I'm staying focused, staying on the point. So we're seeing that type of negative response and we're seeing folks like literally get tired of, like you're saying, having that peaceful, like, you know, going and marching and talking and this, that, and the third. Like, we're not talking, we're not marching, we're not doing anything like that anymore. You know? Like, it's, it's going to get to a point, like you said, where folks are going to be tired of, 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 of it going to the wayside and stuff like that. What we're seeing in Minneapolis, what we're seeing in cities like Baltimore, what we're seeing in cities all across America, and these protests are still happening, folks. I know that they're not trending anymore. It's not trendy to, to see demonstrations like that because it's just become a part of American culture now, like so many things. But it's still happening. People are still upset, and people are still encouraging, like, you know what I'm saying, and, 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 and marching for massive amounts of change. And what we're going to start seeing is they're going to have it uh, die down until either the next situation pops off or um, they're pushing so many buttons though that's the problem so you you get what i'm saying so even though like right now it's died down there's so many buttons being pushed still that is getting to a point that is it's it's gonna go crazy look for example now that unemployment is gonna stop what you think is gonna happen next with all these people about to be out of their houses you think the world's gonna become a better place like, there's going to be so much crime, so much violence. They're going to have to start doing things and changing. But if they don't, that's when the revolution is going to start and it's not going to be pretty. And Let's talk about that's that. That's what, like, yo. But that's Jamal, what they talk about with black the black first topic crime. first. First, oh, first, first. And then we could jump off to something else. Okay, so I wanted to just bring up really fast just the point that gets thrown in my face whenever Black Lives Matter comes up is what about black on black crime? I wanted to bring up a point because I said it last week, but I'm, I'm, I want to reiterate it. Mm-hmm. Black on black crime only, like, I don't want to say black on black crime, I'm sorry. Malcolm X taught us wherever we find um, extreme poverty, 
which looks like a lack of education, like good education in schools, as in like, you know what I'm saying, systems working for kids, and as in money going into those particular districts to make sure kids have what they need to learn the right way and good curriculums. Um, we don't have, like they're saying, in inner city areas and impoverished areas all across the country, there's a lack of this. In inner city areas and impoverished areas all across the world, there's a lack of this. There's a lack of healthcare, which means good hospitals, good clinics, like you know what I'm saying, good education about health. None of these things exist, and they all tie together. This is important for a community to thrive, not just survive, but thrive. Finally, we have poor police and poor response and poor services, which means you got cops that don't show up until two or three hours after a violence uh, uh, incident, uh, incident of violence happens. Um, and you have uh, people out in the streets, basically, or cops in, uh, pursuing people um, that they know are like up to no good and stuff like that, letting letting situations build themselves up and accumulate before they're actually responding instead of being preventative and even encouraging and facilitating like you know what I'm saying situations that allow for like certain type of crime to thrive just so they have something to do at a certain time of the year to meet their quota i say that to say like you know what i'm saying just being mindful of all of that you're going to see violent crime in those particular areas no education no uh let's go no 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 uh no vocational uh, 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 availabilities for, for, for work, no no good health care, and no good services from the police, the fire department, et cetera, et cetera. You have a cesspool for disaster. You have the recipe for extreme poverty, which is the recipe for extreme violence. Anywhere across the country, across this planet, you will find in, in, in inner city areas, in areas of, of extreme poverty, extreme violence. You can look all over the world. But in China, right, I don't think they're calling it black-on-black -black crime in China. I don't think they're calling it black-on-black -black crime in India. I don't think they're calling it black-on-black -black crime anywhere except for America. Why? Because they want to add that connotation to it, to disgrace, you know what I'm saying, black, brown people. They want to paint that picture. So people like, you know what I'm saying, your cousin um, start quoting narratives like, you know, they're, they're used to killing each other. Why is it such a problem when the cops do it? No. Like the the system... bigger issue in the whole system mm -hmm. is that America has the highest level of crime, period, compared to every other country in the world that's developed. Every other mm -hmm. yeah, developed country in the world. That's every other country, every other developed country in the world has less crime than we do. Now, why is that? First off, the people that have guns in the other countries, they have to go through multiple, multiple tests before they get the guns. They have to go through training for the guns and go through psychological tests. That's the first thing. Somehow, for some reason in America, we have guns just snuggled into the hood and snuggled into the bad areas. And of course, they're just magically there. You no mean they don't make Uzi's in Harlem? No, no, they don't make them in Harlem, my fault. What they do is they drive them all the way up from the down south, bring them into here. Some guy brings them to the hood and everyone buys them. They come out of a truck. It's fantastic. It's like the same way you buy like used jeans or something, you know? America it's the greatest thing in the world. That huh? sounds like, like something America wouldn't do that. Like like why would they do something like release drugs or guns? Oh. Really? Like well, that. this is my theory. My theory is that they want the guns into the bad areas because then people have a reason to use them in bad areas because you put them in good areas, guess what they're going to do with them? Collect them like they do already. 
All they do is collect them and use them for their own pleasure of shooting cans and stuff like that. Or, or, or you know, movie theaters happen to be playing Batman. Well, that's a whole different story, a whole different topic. But again, that's due to little kids that can't take bullying. But on another case of it, the main problem that America has overall is that big amount of guns being flooded in, number one. Number two, black on black crime doesn't exist. We all know Amen. that. If anybody else knows that then doesn't know that, then that's a damn shame. Um, all that stuff is just means that a way of saying the hood is killing the hood. When meanwhile, white people kill a... White people kill each other at about an 86% rate. We kill each other. Black people kill each other about 91%. So it's a 5% difference. But you never, I never heard a day in my life why around white crime. Never happened. I'm waiting for the day. I'm still waiting for it to come on TV so I can record it. Like, and be like, oh my God, I finally happened. Like, it never does. So the problem with that whole statement, and by the way, that's the first argument I had with my cousin. It's funny that you brought this up with that, is that she tried to bring up a statistic about black on black crime and try to use it on why, um, you know, black like matter doesn't focus on it. Now, if you was to actually look into the situation, there's a bunch of corporations, a bunch of organizations that do go into it and do focus on black lives, on um, black on black crime. Well, not even black on black crime, but just, you know, crime in general in the in bad areas. And like you said, it's based on the poverty rate, based on the fact that economically they're not making it, based on the fact that, you know, it's hard to live. So when it's hard to live, you do more crime because that's the only way to make money. You know, but hey, that's the only reason black on black crime exists is because we all just hate each other. That's what it is. Like, you know? Like, yes. Yes. Like, and again, they need a reason to be out there. It's, 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 it goes, yo, I keep using, I'm going to keep using it to the day I die. Batman is the perfect example of this. Batman is, is to vigilanteism what Halliburton is to, you know what I'm saying, peaceful situations. Um, Batman will not kill because he has a code. That code is don't fuck up your money. And people say that like Batman doesn't, you know, fight crime for money. Money might be something different for Batman. Money for Batman might be the adulation. Money for Batman might be like, you know what I'm saying, like just the the the, the type of attention he gets from feeling like he's re like uh, getting revenge for his parents. And every fucking criminal he beats up and sends to jail instead of killing is like, you know what I'm saying, him you know, mocking the fact that his parents were killed by people who, you know what I'm saying, otherwise will probably kill again if they have an opportunity. Like the Joker, uh, who he will not kill no matter what. And he's killed his, like, second, you know what I'm saying, Robin. And I say all that to say, hey, man, we're looking at <laughs> the cops. Why they, you know what I'm saying, rest just enough niggas just to, <laughs> just to keep the quota right but they'll put them back on the street. And some cops even work in tandem, like I said, with these particular individuals to capture other criminals just enough so they can, you know, stop a certain group of drug dealers one generation, send them off to jail. And then the dudes under them, they pick up where they left off and secure the vacuum that's left from them cats. And they and the cops in turn help that particular group of individuals in their own way. Keep getting up, keep getting up, keep getting up. And then boom, you know, it's the same thing. Now, why would they, like, you know what I'm saying, in certain cases, why would they uh, stop that from happening? Why would they stop that money from happening when this particular economy is so dependent, not just on, on, on the quotas that the cops get from capturing it or shooting unarmed, kid, uh, unarmed uh, criminals, but um, 
just the idea that uh, for how much money that the state will make off of the prison that might be in that particular county, um, how much free labor that they're going to be able to get. It's much, not even uh, that. It's not even that. The prisons have a hold on them. You got to remember that. So there's right? contracts they have with the with the states that go if you don't supply my prison with this amount of people i get to overcharge you this amount because you didn't bring those people in so i could use right. them on the slave labor and make that amount right of money. right and it becomes infuriating when you think about cats like khalif browder who you know what i'm saying was the cat that we discussed last uh, last time we were together um how he uh, was arrested for false charges and because he couldn't post bail, he stayed in jail for about three years. And when he finally did release, the trauma was so intense for him that he ended up taking his own life. We need a lot of this to change, like this bullshit. Like people have control over people's lives and they're not willing to make the right decisions with them. You know, like Uncle Ben said it best with great power, comes great responsibility and I feel like a lot of people in law enforcement in the judicial system they don't take their power seriously or they're too power hungry and they don't see that they you know they really have power over people's lives and people who are on trial or being detained they're not the only ones affected friends families you know everyone gets affected by the BS. Very well, good thought. Um, I don't, I don't want to make anybody feel like you know, the voice is silent. But now, yo, you still with us, uh, Brian? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually very much enjoying your guys' conversation. So I was just sitting out until I had something else to contribute. Um, you guys were having good conversation. Brian was so. like, Brian was like, from the back of the crowd, this is great. Keep it going. You guys are amazing. That was the plan. <laughs> you know, like in this country, the a lot of I, I can't speak for every state. I haven't been to every state, but New York, Jersey, uh, Connecticut, I've seen it. And I think North Carolina, they have police cars, like black police cars with like dark gray riding on them. And it's like police are hiding trying to catch you if you're speeding or or doing anything that you maybe shouldn't be doing but in other countries like the UK you know the police cars stand out so it's not like they're they're trying to hide and i think that i don't think i i believe truly that that's one of the problems here as well where the police are hiding in plain sight you know they're they're not out here making it known like I'm here if you fuck up, you know, I'm I'm here to make sure that things happen. They hide. And then they they creep out and do all this sneaky shit. And I feel like a lot of that if like we're paying our taxes to have police doing sneaky shit. And that's not a jab at police or whatever, but I just feel like that's something that we should consider changing as well. <laughs> I mean, well, like, think about how when you're driving, let's say on the turnpike or something, everyone slows down. And the other day I was driving and there was a cop sitting there and everybody saw it and everyone slowed down. And this one guy was going like 10 miles under the speed limit driving by this cop. As soon as he drove by him, like after maybe like three minutes, 
he sped up and he was probably going at 70 on the turnpike. I think I was going 80. He must've been going at least 115. Like he sped off and he just took off. So you see some people out in the open, you see some people hiding, uh, cops, I should say, um, to catch speeders and stuff like that. But I just wonder how the world's going to be in the future. Like they have speed cameras now on the boulevard. Um, and they're trying to get some on different areas of the turnpike and different things like that. I mean, eventually, because you have those people that, you know, go 120, 130 miles an hour, and then you have these bad accidents where someone dies because let's say someone was going that fast in the rain, you know, couldn't stop in time. If an animal ran out, another car stopped, whatever the case may be, they're trying to control so much of that stuff of what people can do, what they can't do, traffic, which has always been a thing. But I, I don't even want to know what the world's going to be like in 100 years. I mean, there's going to be cameras everywhere, speed traps. You're not going to be able to go over this limit without it, taking a picture. You're not going to be able to park in certain areas that are illegal or that you would get a tow or a fine for. There's going to be a camera snapping the picture, a license plate, um, you know, stealing and theft which cameras are a great thing like that. Cause obviously, you know, we don't want people getting robbed and stores get stolen from, but um, just seriously, I really wonder what the world's going to be like in the future. We're probably going to have self-driving cars. No one's going to drive anymore. So none of that will probably be necessary. I, I mean, no one will worry about it because your car will drive itself. Yeah. But can we really trust cars to drive themselves in a hundred years? I would hope so. Well, forget all that. First of all, my hope in 100 years is we could teleport. I don't even want to drive anymore. <laughs> oh, that's so a very good point. I'm yeah. to figure out who, who's driving. I feel like you're going to be the poorest person on earth if you're driving at 100 years from now. I'm sorry. Like, I yeah, but think about Back to the Future when it came out. What They thought we'd have flying cars by now. We are, we're not even close. <laughs> well, we no, actually no, no, no. Have First we have, off, we, they have they – there's prototypes, but the problem is with the prototypes is that where you're going to drive them. The problem is that there's no laws to govern that. There's yeah, no way to control that. So that's why even if the prototypes are good and they work, who's going to use them? Who could afford them? Because I'm pretty sure it costs a lot of money to make them. Yep. So unless you're a millionaire, who the hell is going to fly them? You wouldn't be able to, uh, right? Yeah, you get what I'm saying? It's a lot of problems more economically than mm-hmm. scientifically. Like, I mean, so, I'd be worried about getting an accident in the air, too, and just. I mean, well, obviously, they have they to put in safety messages. They will have to make lanes like the damn Jetsons, and they're far from that. Let's say, that, right. if that's the case, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's yeah. not really the flying car part; it's more the part of the lanes for it, the 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 lights behind it. With they can't drive in certain areas because you know Area 51. If you drive in there, you're gonna get shot before you even finish. <laughs> so you know, and also the, things like that. Going by airports, this I'm sure there's going to be a shit. They'd have to establish a, a, a shit ton of no fly zones. They'd, like right. New York City would be a straight up no fly zone. Like because you know, you'll hit a bunch of tall buildings on purpose right. by accident, like looking like 9 11 times 20. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't it. think about that. Like, so there'll probably be a party with it, like these dumb people partying to get COVID. So, you know, like. I think we would have teleporting before flying cars, but, you know, I'd be afraid of getting teleported to the wrong place. You try to teleport to one state and you end up in, like, Timbuktu or some shit. Listen, if I paid my money, I want my money back. There's no reason I'm (laughs) going to go back. When I went to Florida, I was trying to get there. So, what the fuck? (laughs) I think that um, 
it's and this is like you know I'm being a little bit like I guess uh, a little serious more more serious tone. I feel like once we start losing a little bit more people, and I think around election time, we should be concerned that we might get like you know what I'm saying somebody feeling brazen enough to want to take over because we're at such a vulnerable and weak moment. What do you mean, like another country attacking? Yeah. Oh. I, I really feel like we're getting close to seeing either China or Russia decide to shake uh shake they shake their ass a little bit and see what kind of shit they can get in with the uh, United States. And uh they're only doing and they have the opportunity to do that because for the last four years they use this administration to, to like basically weaken, you know what I'm saying, civil rights of the uh of the of the regular population and like you know what I'm saying uh aggressively you know what I'm saying pull out of like treaties packs and and like you know just like you know allyships with uh other countries and stuff like that ruining our our uh, our standing on the main stage and stuff mm-hmm. i feel like we pissed enough people off and there's enough people out there that already understand that you know uh without our uh interference and invitations to the World Bank via um, usurping governments and uh, replacing them with uh, crappy democracies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, people are pretty fed up. And they, they again, Rome, Rome fell pretty similar. And I feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're at the brink of that just because of uh, centuries of uh, aggressive, you know what I'm saying, uh, resource management. Yeah. So being honest, I I can see that as well. But I see before even before that, I see martial law going into effect. I see military walking the streets, every street, not just Philly or places that are riding. I see military taking over and the government going to martial law before I see another uh, country attacking. I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah, it'll happen. It's gonna end up happening because when the like I said, when this revolution starts, it's gonna become violent, and they're gonna have no choice but to do that. And when they do, the thing is now, who goes in power will depend on how long the the revolution goes in place. And basically, you're either gonna have people fighting every single day for the rest of their lives, or B, you're gonna have someone who goes in power actually starts to do the right things and starts to make the economy better and you know, get certain things in place that's supposed to be, and then it won't last as long as, as most. But look in the past. How many times have revolution has gone completely right at first, you know? It always takes a long time before it gets situated where it's actually in the right pace, the right kind of economy, all that stuff. So, for example, Germany, who finally is back to normal after how many years when the World War ended and stuff like that. It's, it's going to be... All, all I know is for sure that I this year every month something off the wall has happened. Someone important died, or someone who was known died. Something person died every month, or you know murder hornets, or you know they have those tree eating bugs that are here now destroying Philadelphia or whatever. Like every so I. I feel like we're just, it's just par for the course at this point. It's like, <laughs> all right, what, what's next? It feels like that's every single month. Yeah, that's pretty much. Hmm. If it feels like every single month, it's because it's every single month. <laughs> right. It's not, it's not a, 
It's not a it's not a maybe thing. It's like what is happening next in the world today? Like for example, they found a, a freaking squirrel with bubonic plague, a disease mm. that died a long ass time ago. Why are they testing squirrels in the first place? We're still trying to figure that out for mm-hmm. bubonic plague. But the fact that you found it is even scarier. Like, <laughs> like, or did you put it in the squirrel and now you just want to have a, a story to tell? And is the squirrel going to go and bite someone and start a new plague? Like, it's the most stupidest thing to think about. But in reality, that's what 2020 is. The most stupidest things to think about. Like, <laughs> You know, China got a whole situation now with a new disease supposedly coming out. Yeah, swine flu too. Yeah, I'm like, yo, like, they better contain it is all I have to say. <laughs> First off, it's in pigs, bro. So they, they already shipped out their pork and all that stuff. You know what oh, so it already. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. Yeah. Like, right. right. So it's not even about containing it now. It's just more like, so which country got it? Aw, ended up in India. Like, you know, like, it's the most stupidest shit. Like, it's crazy, yo. All that's this, all this stuff that's happening. Like, we're looking at that. We're looking at um just the fact that, you know, now life is different now. Now life has changed. Like, like people are already struggling with these masks now, but, like, we're not going to be in a world where we can't come out without masks for, like, years. Like, this is going to be, like, half a decade at least. Like, do are people going to, like, aware of that? Like, we're not, like, this is the new shit. Like, we're going to have to, like, really rethink school. We're going to have to really rethink, like everything movie mm-hmm. like you know like social interaction as, as, as we know it has to come to a different like we have to make changes and it's going to be the most slowest and difficult change that we're going to see because there's so many folks who are adamantly about like going back to the way things were we can never go back to that world yeah that world is gone yeah a lot of people don't realize that unfortunately and it's it's crazy because a lot of people are thinking, like you know, when COVID started, we're like, yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be home from work for like two or three weeks, and then we'll be back. No, that's not the case. Yeah, September the kids are going back to school. That's not gonna be the case. First off, do you did you see you saw the form I sent? I don't know if you guys saw it, but there's a form that I sent in the chat, and it basically says, "Hi, welcome to my school." You have to sign this to join. And by the way, if we give your kid COVID, we're not responsible. Mm-hmm. We're not responsible as the school that we gave your kid COVID. But, you know, you, you're going to put all these safety measures, all the stuff, right, that happens. So we should be fine. Why you need a liability form? Thanks. You know, what are you scared of? Oh, you're scared of a lawsuit. I'm about to yeah. look it up right now. Jamal just sent it. I'm about to read it right so, now. So, like... The thing, too, that I, I saw it. My wife shared it, I think, or it was shared with me, or I think Brian might have shared it. I don't recall, but something else that I saw or heard, or my wife shared, I don't remember. But it said, if we're going to have a meeting. Over, that was me. That was you. Okay. If we're going to yeah. have a meeting over Zoom, whether kids should go back to school or not, then schools don't need to be open. Think about that. We're gonna right. <laughs> we're not going to meet in person. We're going to have a Zoom meeting to, to dictate if our kids are going back to school. And like, then the crazy part is that the parents, the our parents are already doing making mistakes with the baby kids. So for example, the babysitters, they're already dropping off kids with COVID and babysitter places yeah. and having the nerve to because they have to go to work. But yet we're gonna let them go drop their kids off and think because they have a cold, they're gonna keep them at home. Let's be real. 
how much ignorance is in the in, is in our country that you think the the parents are really going to take the high road and go, my kid's sick. Let me keep them home, get them tested for COVID, make sure I don't get no other kids sick. Instead, what's going to happen is, oh, I have to go to work right now. So, oh, you're a little cold. You're going to have to handle it at school. Uh, let them figure it out. And then mm-hmm. basically when it's figured out, you know, you got 12 kids in the classroom, maybe five get it. Oh, that's a, that's a small amount, right? But then they take it home, and then and they one of the parents the get it. Get it, yep. Then the grandparent gets it, and then the grandparent dies. Yeah, the baby it wasn't sister that serious at it. first, right? You know, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that bad at first, right? But you want all the kids to go to school because that makes sense. No, it's the I dumbest understand. idea in the freaking world that we have to even have a discussion. On whether kids should go back or not with the disease still out there. I unless you could follow all the guidelines that the CDC gave, I don't even think it should be an issue. In fact, I don't even think anybody under 14 should even be going to school right now. Period. It should be it should be a virtual school like everybody's been doing. It sucks. The social part of it sucks that the kids won't grow up to be social butterflies like they should be. But at the end of the day, you're still learning. They'll be alive. To get to a point that they could be social butterflies again, so and and uh, and, and, and even high school is going to be hard too. But at least you could try to maneuver a high school to do the right thing. But to me, if you're under fourteen, or or it don't make sense to me. It don't like. And my wife and I have this conversation as well. She's she's a teacher, and she's you know she's not for kids going back to school, and she's not against kids not going back to school. Meaning, like kids with special needs won't be learning. Um, like they well, no one will be learning like they would if they were in school, but they'll probably have the hardest time to. But see, if the government was doing the right move, Jamal, and had people who were in place to do those roles to go into the house, and maybe because you could you could go in the house and help one kid with special needs, you just can't help twenty of them at the same time right now. Mm -hmm. Like you get what I'm saying? But they won't even do that part of it because you could fix that. Look that situation. Just saying. No, I, I hear you. But we'd rather spend $100 million on, on the police force that, that's shooting niggas for not wearing masks. Excuse my language. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's all fucking connected. That's the, that's the thing about it. That's the, what people aren't realizing. Like, every and I'm pretty, thing is connected. I'm so sorry for y'all. Uh, I understand that the blank, the blank, blank cannot prevent the possible transmission or contraction of COVID-19 from my child. At the bottom, it says, the undersigned agrees uh, to release, discharge, hold harmless, and I, and identify or uh, indemnify uh, the, uh, the blah, 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 is agents, uh, employees, officers, board of education members, ins- uh, insurers, and other acting on the, on the district's behalf. Of uh, of occurring during or, or resulting from or participation in the above mentioned program or activity related to in any way uh, COVID nineteen, even if the cause, damages, or injuries alleged to the fault of the alleged uh, to be caused by the negligence of or carelessness of the, of the releases. You want a, you want a summary? Fuck you, parents. You're, it's your yes. fault if your kid gets fucked up. All if right. your kid gets COVID, right. that's none of our concern right. because, like, we knew that right. they could get COVID if they came to school. Right. Um, cool. The only All thing right. I cool. want to know is, like, as a as a parent who's not sending their, his kids to school, no matter what, unless the shit is done, which it won't be. The only thing I want to know is where do I find the materials for homeschooling, and if they're going to try to find me for not sending my kids to school? Because if they're going to try and find me, I think I'm leaving the country. Like, no bullshit. 
I'm not paying a fine. No, they're not trying to find. They're trying to arrest people that don't send the kids to school. All right, cool. remember so that. I'm not going to jail either because they can't keep because the country doesn't know how to keep our families. Oh no, 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 no! There's going to be a revolution. You're not understanding. I'm not talking that it's maybe happening. This is something that's going to happen with the way like I said, they're pushing right. They're pushing too many fuses. They're pushing too many buttons. It's not one button. It's not just the Black Lives Matter button. There's also the parents button. There's also the sexist button. There's also the LGBT button. There's also the just the poverty button. There's also there's the eviction button that's about to come. There's the oh, you yeah. know the there's the lack of of jobs that's about to come. Like there's so much buttons that's gonna be pressed. This is going to happen. It's more of a matter of when and how bad. Right. And it seems like the only people that really aren't affected right, are older conservatives. Which all have money and all in Congress. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and are all fair skinned. It's just great, guys. You don't understand. Like, I get so happy talking about it. Like, it's just amazing how these old white people get to make decisions for so many people, and yet they don't get voted out because so many people don't go to vote. And even if they do vote, they might get another old white person that just sucks as bad as the first one. Welcome to our new election. Like, yo, bro, don't even get me started on Biden. Um, But I will say this. um, I did see something today that kind of inspired me, and I read a little article about it. Um, Angela Davis, who is somebody who I respect, I'm pretty sure not everybody knows who Angela Davis is in the mm-hmm. chat. Um, Angela Davis uh, had said that she's going to be voting for Biden, um, and she's like not with the narrative that Diddy and all of them are pushing about withholding the vote. Like she understands the situation as it is. These are the these are the um, candidates that we have available, and. If we had better options, then she would vote for them, but we don't. So, like, she's not going to risk, like, having four more years of Trump. So she's willing to vote for Biden. Listen, I understand Angela Davis, and I'm happy for her. I'm going to vote for Biden, most likely. But unfortunately, it's not because of a great fear of – it's not because I believe in him. And the thing is, it's just so sad now that I don't even want to vote. Like, they both Mm -hmm. suck. Like, I really don't. Like, if it, if it really was to the point that I could trust America to make the right decision, I would just not vote at all. Or I would vote for a whole different person. Because it's just so bad that this two-party system really sucks. Bro, he can't even, he can't even identify with the fact that um, uh, immunity on police officers is wrong. Even after everything that's happened, he still believes that immune, immunity for police is right. How, Sway? In what world, how and what way is it still right that you're allowed to kill someone before the jury has committed that they are guilty? Like, come on. For crimes that don't even make sense to kill them for. Speeding, a red light, a freaking uh, a broken taillight. Um, what was the other dumb shit? Having a hoodie on, walking with Skittles, like having a toy gun. Like, come on. Like, all this stuff that people get killed for, for nothing, and you can't even affect the fact, admit, admit the fact that they need to stop having immunity so they could go to damn jail? Like, everyone else that kills someone? Like, come on. And I'm so, supposed to vote for this man? Thank you for listening to Social Justice, the New American Revolution. Make sure you tune in tomorrow for the latest episode. 
And if you want to be heard, email us at thesocialjusticepodcast at gmail.com.